0: Hi, and welcome to the Bookish Besties podcast. We're excited you're here with us to talk all things books and reading. We are two friends brought together by our love of reading. I'm Diane and adore my beach life in Charleston, South Carolina, with my family and dogs. Reading has been a pleasure my whole life. I read to travel when I cannot leave home, to escape when life gets to be too much, to learn even when I'm not in school anymore, and to make new friends on the pages of stories, and by talking to those who share my passion.
1: And I'm Mary,
0: a northerner living in the frozen tundra
1: of Madison, Wisconsin. I've been an avid reader for as long as I can remember and make a point to read every day while still balancing the challenges of work and life. My ideal is to be curled up by the fire with the dog on my lap, a glass of
0: wine on the end table, and a good book in my hands. We would be most grateful if you would rate and review our podcast, it really does help others to find us. Thank you so much, and happy reading. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Bookish Besties podcast. Today, we're here with Heather Bell Adams. Heather's first novel, Maramatha Road, won the gold medal for Southeast Region in the Independent Publishers Book Awards and was named to the Deep South Magazine's fall-winter reading list. Her short story fiction, which has won the James Still Fiction Prize and Carrie McRae Memorial Literary Award, appears in the Thomas Wolfe Review, Brook Magazine, Broad River Review, Clappard House, Gravel, the Pettigrew Review, and the Pisgah Review. Her second novel, The Good Luck Stone, is forthcoming from Haywood Books. And this is the book we're talking about today. Now, I have a pub date of 7 July. Are you still, is that still your date, Heather?
1: Hey, yeah, thank you for having me. Um, I had a call last week with my publisher, and so far we are still on for July 7th, so I'm keeping my fingers crossed. <laughs>
0: okay, great. Well, we will, I will put that out as our, as our pub date, but if it changes, let me know, and we can let the listeners know, we can put it on Instagram and stuff, because um, I was sharing with you a little bit before we started recording, I received your advanced reader copy on the computer. Um, So I read it on the computer, which is not my favorite way to read it. And I was a little bit worried it would affect my love. Did not, I adored it. (laughs) I adored the story. (laughs) I adored the characters, Audrey. I miss my Grammy so much. And Audrey was like my grandmother. (laughs) It was just this lovely story. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it without spoilers since it's not out yet and most people haven't gotten
1: to read it. share with us the good luck stone. Okay. Yeah. Thank you again for having me. This is so much fun to talk with you about it. Um, Yeah. So at its heart, the good luck stone is about uh, this older society lady in Savannah, Georgia, Audrey Thorpe. And um, really the crux of the story happens when she suddenly disappears because a secret she has kept since World War II begins to unravel. And we sort of go from there and trying to figure out, you know, where has she gone? What's happened? um, You know, and what is the secret? Everybody thinks they know her, um, but they really don't. They really don't know the true, the true Audrey. Right. And,
0: you know, there were so many dynamics, so many, you know, two party relationships that I loved, but I think, and it wasn't a huge part, but um, she, she comes to have a caretaker and that caretaker has a child named Oliver, and the two of them, Oliver and Audrey, struck up this wonderful friendship about history, and she, he, Oliver feels maybe she's telling him this story, but for Audrey, it wasn't a story, right? It was her life, and I loved the sweetness between those two.
1: Well, I'm so glad you mentioned that because i I say a lot of times that actually Oliver is my favorite character in the book, just really whenever, yeah, whenever I was writing a scene with him um and for our listeners, he's you know a ten year old boy and a little bit socially awkward, he's dealing with a new school and making friends, and I just loved him so much and thought he was kind of you know he lends a little bit of humor in the way kids often do um to serious situations. And he is kind of fascinated by Audrey and her big fancy house, and you know this crazy story she begins to tell about her time in World War II. Um, and so, yeah, I'm I'm really glad you you liked him as well. I had a lot of fun writing him and, yeah, and, and his it was, relationship with his mother as well, as she tries she struggles with trying to give him good advice and help him settle in at his new school.
0: Right. Yeah. I thought Laurel was fabulous too. Like I really loved her. And I thought she genuinely cared about Audrey as a person, not Audrey, the persona, you know, she really cared who she was. And I thought it was interesting because Audrey has a grandson Ford, who is almost or actually great grandson, right? right. Great grandson. Um, it's right, right. almost the same age as Oliver, but their dynamic is sweet too, but very different. I think Oliver has, um, has had a rougher time of life than Ford has had to have. And um, Audrey sees the tenaciousness in him, and, and they both overcame a lot of hard stuff. And I think she identifies that in him right away. Oh, I just thought it was the sweetest. I loved it.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point you make about, you know, the relationship Audrey has with her great-grandson is very important to her, um, but it is quite different. You're right. Um, in part because of Audrey's granddaughter kind of standing in the way a little bit or, um, but, but yeah, it is different. And I struggled with how much to have Ford in the story versus not in the story. Um, it kind of muddied the waters a bit to have him pop up, you know, too often. So I tried try to have little bits and pieces where it's obvious that Audrey loves her great grandson very much, but he's not necessarily, you know, as you say, a central character. Yeah, I don't know how much you had to edit out or
0: add in, but I think you put just the right amount of Ford in it. I think he was a sweet addition. Right. And, and the, those tertiary characters are important. He definitely wasn't right a huge part, but I thought he was just enough that it was sweet. And I did like the, how they were at the same school and and shared kind of similar yeah. experiences of being classmates, but also very different experiences. Someone who right. is you know in private school in Savannah when Savannah is home, you know, it's kind of the same in Charleston, right? It's a couple, yeah. couple families have been here for generations and generations. Ever, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, exactly. Well, tell me when you, so this is your second novel. Do you start with place? I know your first one was more in Appalachia um, and, and this is in Savannah, so more city,
1: but do you start with a place? Do you start with a character? What, what um, ignites your story? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say for this one, so we have um, vacationed in Savannah for as long as I've known my husband, so over 20 years. Um, He introduced me to Savannah back when we were dating, and um, I've always wanted to set a story there. Um, Just, you know, there's so much history. There's, it's obviously very beautiful, like Charleston, where you are, you know, Um, And you just get the sense walking around places like Um, that—at least I do—that you know there's a story around every corner here. You know, Mm -hmm. you know know it. Um, And so I had always wanted to set a story in Savannah. Um, This particular story really started for me with the character of Audrey and just the idea that there could be this well-respected, well-heeled society woman who's on all the right committees and. Mm -hmm. Her family has donated money around town, and she lives in this beautiful mansion. Um, but she's nearing the end of her life, and she's consumed with thoughts of her legacy and, you know, what she might be leaving behind with her family. Um, and right in the middle of that, you know, she gets this shocking blast from the past. You know, someone reaches out who she never expected to hear from again, um, and that really just Throws her for a loop, and she, you know. But I quickly um, realized in the story, like this is her last chance to tell her story, really, and to tell her side of what happened, um, which I think can be very powerful. Um, so I really, that was really my jumping off point. Um, I, it's interesting, you know. Audrey's definitely the main character. You mentioned Laurel, her caretaker, who was always a very important part of the story and always going to be the person to whom Audrey ended up, you know, just confessing everything, um, because they had really bonded and so on. And because Laurel came to her, not as part of that well-heeled society, but really an outsider. And as you say, got to know her more just for her. Um, One way that the book changed in the uh, revision process, both with my editor and then with a couple of different, um, both with my agent, excuse me, and then a couple of different editors, is the role Laurel played. For a long time, uh, I tried to have Laurel's storyline be equivalent to Audrey's and sort of just as important. And it ended up detracting, I think, from, from the story, you know, to try to have them be equals, if you will, and so um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Julie Cantrell, the perennials, yeah, so I worked with her on the book, and she's, she called me one day, and she said, Heather, you have to decide, you know, whose story this is, oh, there you go, wow, y'all can't see it, but
0: I literally am sitting next to Julie Cantrell's book, The Perennials,
1: (laughs) perennials right there, that was perfect, Um, but yeah, Julie's really the one who identified for me, you know, you've got to decide whose story this is. And I said, well, obviously it's Audrey's. And yeah. so she convinced me to have Laurel take a little bit more of a backseat. And so, you know, the version that you have read and the version that's, that's coming out, we, we really see Laurel through her caretaker role. So we get to know her through Audrey, which keeps the focus on Audrey, um, you know, we get a little bit of Laurel's home life and her backstory, but but hopefully not so much that it, you know, detracts um, from Audrey, whose story it really is. So that, once I did that, it kind of, and through Julie's advice, it kind of unlocked the story a bit for me, where I was kind of muddled there for a while. Sure. Um, so yeah, I think that really helped the manuscript a lot.
0: Well, I love hearing that, because first of all, I think you did a great job with Audrey, and, and she was definitely she was the grand dame. Like, it was about her. Um, but what that opens up for me is I would totally read another book that you write about Laurel.
1: <laughs> oh, I love it. See, that's a good idea. Yeah, Laurel can have her say.
0: There's story. so much more to explore there, right? There's still, is Laurel a lot. is still rich, even though she didn't get as much in this book, but that's okay. I think, I think it was the right amount of Audrey, for sure.
1: Thank you. Yeah, but you're right. I mean, Laurel has, this fraught relationship with her husband. Um, she, you know, really wanted a second child. Um, this didn't make it into the book, but she has a complicated relationship with her mother. And, you know, of course there's all these, all the, always family drama, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know,
0: I don't even remember who I was talking to. I think, I think I was talking to Mary Kay Andrews a couple of weeks ago and we were saying, you know, that I don't even know if, I used to say I love books about a dysfunctional family. Oh. I think now they're just books about a family, right? We're all dysfunctional. <laughs>
1: that's right or more so than others but but we all have it in, in us otherwise sometimes. it would be boring right <laughs> exactly exactly
0: well I wanted to mention um no I don't know if the page numbers will be the same so I probably shouldn't mention the page page number I wrote it down but um in the first you know maybe two-thirds of the book you have a little line where you pay homage to E. Shaver booksellers which is a fabulous oh. bookstore in Savannah and oh. I love when I'm reading books about You know
1: about anything, but then an indie bookseller pops up in there. Right. Well, you know, I have gone there for years, um, going, you know, being in Savannah and and visiting their cats and the (laughs) wonderful booksellers there. Um, my son, when he was younger, used to love, um, you know, finding the, the shop cats, um, wherever they were hiding. And, um, yeah. I just, I thought that was a fun opportunity to just call them out by name. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's great. And I know it's appreciated. We have been, um,
0: as we are recording, I don't even know we're on day 3096 of quarantine. <laughs> I'm not sure. It's over a month. It's over a month, but, um, we're still trying to do everything that, you know, we can with pre-orders and your book is not coming out until July. So people definitely can pre-order from their local Indies. And yeah. if you don't have a local indie you can pick any one, you know, we want to support everyone's
1: small business. So that's been really important. It's so important, but as you say, especially now,
0: um, right. When, when we all come out of this, we want there to be independent booksellers still able to do a good business and and keep our, keep books in our hands. For sure. Yes, definitely. So what the um, Audrey, getting back to, to this book, Audrey's um, granddaughter at the very end, I was, um, I was like ferocious, ferociously finishing it. And she, um, I don't think this is a spoiler. Is it a, maybe it is a spoiler. I'm not going to say anything about that. I don't. Are you, well, <laughs> she, there was um, some names were chosen and one of the yes, names yes. for the, for a potential little girl. It was Lily Grace, and that's one of my girls' names. And I hollered, it. I'm like Lily Grace. Look, <laughs> sweet, I love it. <laughs> she made the book. Wow, so darling. <laughs> yes. So tell us a little bit since since your new book is not coming out, the um, Good Luck Stone doesn't come out until July. We can get our hands on your first novel. Give us a little bit about that, just because I want people to start reading you
1: before July. Oh, thank you. Yeah, sure. Um, So, Maranatha Road is my first novel. Um, it is set in Western North Carolina, which is where I uh, was born and raised, um, near Hend- in Hendersonville. Um, and it is about um, Sadie Caswell, whose son dies shortly before his wedding, and Tinley Green, the young stranger who shows up claiming she's pregnant with his child. Um, so, it's about how these two women are Definitely in conflict with each other, but ultimately find their way toward one another um, through, you know, difficult circumstances for both of them. Um, it has definitely that sort of Appalachian feel a little bit more, and I would say it's slightly more literary in tone, um, you know, slightly more serious maybe than this one, just because the characters are grieving. You know, for sure. my book. Um, it's hard to do that too lightly. It, Hard to have that be a light story yeah um not that this one not that the good luck stone is light either but you know um mm-hmm. but yeah I, I like stories that are redemptive in nature you know even as characters go through a lot of conflict with each other or you know they deal with serious personal regrets or you know whatever it might be <clears throat> I always like there to be even if everything is not happily ever after at the end I like them to have demonstrated some growth as a character mm. or, you know, come from one place and end up in another, right? So they are able to see more more light or more hope or more self-forgiveness, you know, whatever the case might be. Um, I really, as a reader, like seeing that sort of character arc, so I try to include that in my stories as well. So <clears throat> I would say both Maranatha Road and The Good Luck Stone you know, I tried to do that. And those where these characters are different people by the end of the story than they were at the start of the story.
0: Great. Well, I shared with you before we started recording, I have already ordered your first book. It'll be my, my second read of yours, but your first published novel. And I can't wait to read it so nice as well. Of you. Cause I really, I really <laughs> loved this one that you said it was, it was a like, um, dual timeline yes. in the good luck stone. But I was, ne- sometimes in dual tie line, timelines, they get a little bit muddy and you forget where you are. I think yes. you did a seamless job of, um, you know, in Audrey was a character in both storylines, of course, but the other characters kind of helped mm. me identify where I was. So I sure. never, I never had to look back and say, oh wait, present, past, you know. Um. Right. And I think that's sometimes tricky. So Not everyone does that. As well as others, I think you did a great job.
1: Yeah, thank you. We um, we did go back and forth on whether to include uh, date references. Mm-hmm. You know, in an earlier version of the manuscript, I believe we had for the World War II portions. You know, we would have a little marker at the top that said 1941 or whatever. Um, but my editor felt like that might take the reader out of the story just a little bit, so we took those out. And he said, you know, I think it'll be obvious from the text where we are so i'm i'm glad that that didn't cause any issues
0: yeah you know penny and cat were enough of a trigger for my memory i didn't need i didn't i didn't see the year marker so i got the copy without them and it it was totally clear to me where we were without without that and i think you know um I don't know how you know it's it's probably a balancing act between giving the car- giving the reader too much and then also assuming assuming that we're bright enough to figure that story out, and I think um, when a, a story is well woven, the readers are smart enough to figure it out, and and I did so I'm sure everyone else will too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. it was great. So now, are you tell me, are you writing full time? I see. I, are you still a practicing attorney, or
1: are you are you writing full time? Um, yes, I'm still. No, I'm a full-time lawyer. I manage litigation for a bank headquartered in North Carolina, Raleigh, North Carolina, um, and I really enjoy that. You know, it it involves a lot of writing that's very different from creative writing. Um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, much more. You know, you have to be tied to the factual record and case law and so on. <laughs> no, just get to make anything up. Um,
0: <laughs> that you it, wouldn't be as <laughs> successful if you started doing that. <laughs>
1: That's right, I'd be fired if I made stuff up. Um, but yeah, so t- for me, it's a nice counterpoint counterpoint, um you know, where I still get to write and I still get to think about um how to make things persuasive, um, you know, how to take a certain set of facts and craft them in a way that might persuade a judge or a jury you know that our side of the story is correct, that sort of thing. um so I really enjoy that, and um. I, f- I just fit writing in, you know, my husband and son golf a lot. I don't know if you have any <clears throat> golfers in your family, but yes, yes. <laughs> it takes a long time for a long time. <laughs> 18 so, holes um, is not a quick oh, quick Saturday morning thing. <laughs> oh, so, um, so I, I do a lot of my writing when they're golfing. Um, and yeah, I, I have a lot of fun just fitting it in, you know, nights and weekends, that sort of thing.
0: That's great. Are you working on a new novel now or are, do you take a breather? Like, are you breathing? Are you reading or <laughs> writing?
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I'm always reading, you know, um, as I'm sure you are as well. Um, I am working on a third novel. I I have gone back and forth a bit with what I want it to be about and kind of... Um, I don't think any writing is wasted, so I won't say I've, you know, messed anything up or wasted pages, but I have started several different projects and abandoned them, <laughs> sort of, as I get going a little bit, I realized, oh, that's not, that's not quite, you know, a novel takes so long to, to write and edit, you have to really be in love with it, because you're going to live with it for a long time, <laughs> a long time, um, so I have, a, you know, started and started, yeah, the project a few times, but um, but yeah, I'm working on my third. My agent is currently, um, my agent is currently on maternity leave, and so I'm hoping to have some pages, you know, to show her when she gets back and get her thoughts on if she thinks it's working and that sort of thing.
0: That's great. I wonder if it's like, um, we've been talking, my podcast partner and I, Mary, have been talking a lot about. I'm not really in a book slump with this quarantine, but I'm finding it harder to find the one book that speaks to me right now to read. So for every book that I'm finishing, I'm probably starting three or four and I'm setting them aside. I wonder if that's, um, as you set those storylines aside, maybe it's just not the right time to tell that story, but like those books that I've set aside, I will come back to them and I'm sure some of them are fabulous you know it just wasn't the season for me right. to read them it doesn't it's not necessarily that they're not well written yeah. so, so hold on to all those stories <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah that's right no i think you're onto something there i really do because um i have found in recent weeks with my own reading life and then i think you're right it translates into writing as well that i'm not able to stomach anything too terribly heavy right now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um Whereas, you know, a lot of times it it wouldn't really bother me, but right now, you know, if I pick up something super, super serious and, and heavy and the characters are really, really struggling, um, it's just too hard right now. It's, it's too hard. Um, and reading and writing are supposed to be, I think, fun, right? And so if we're not having fun with it, as you say, we can put something aside and doesn't mean it doesn't have merit, of course. but to your point, you know, there's a season for different types of, of projects and, you know, (laughs) this season pass
0: and, you know. (laughs) And I'm so grateful that we have so many different kinds of choices in books, right? We can, uh, Mary was sharing on our recording yesterday, she's into YA right now because she can totally get into the story. It's a fast read. And I think that's great. Like whatever, I was always, um, I'm just a fan of reading. I was a School counselor a million years ago, and and at a a wonderful school outside of Washington D.C. And you know, some of my parents were very um, highly successful and very academic, and so they would come to me and say, "But my son won't read a book like he's in third grade." I said, "You know, does he like Sports Illustrated Kids?" Like, "Oh, well, that's not literary." (laughs) Guys, it's words on a page. It's reading. Let him set his pace. Just let him love reading. It doesn't. He doesn't yeah. have to read Dickens in third grade, you know?
1: Exactly. <laughs> Thank goodness, right? <laughs> right. Sports Illustrated
0: kids will do the trick sometimes, you know, it's okay. Yeah,
1: I completely agree with you. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, we, um, one thing that I noticed when you put your, uh, a little homage to eShaver books in there, are there any, I know you have some great local ones in your, in yep. the Raleigh area. Do you want to throw out a ta-
1: hat, hat toss to any of those? Absolutely, yeah. So um, I live about 10 minutes from page 158 books, which is in Wake Forest, um, which is wonderful. Uh, And then in Raleigh, we have Quail Ridge books, which, um, you know, some of our listeners may have heard of. Quail Ridge is just, it's been around a long time. It is just a fabulous place as well. Um, So I love both of those. And, you know, North Carolina, we have, you know, Scuppernog, um, Park Road, Malaprops, uh, McIntyre's, I mean, we just, we really are so lucky to have so many different bookmarks in Winston-Salem, you know, yeah. Foggy Pine and Boone, I mean, there are just so many wonderful, um, I recently went to the Country Book, uh, before all this craziness started, sure. I went to the Country Bookshop in uh, Southern Pines with a dear friend of mine, Gina, and fell in love with it as well, I mean, it's just,
0: yeah. you know, I don't know that I've entered an indie bookstore that I haven't fallen
1: in love with, <laughs> right? that's exactly, that's exactly right, we go to them. We love them.
0: <laughs> I know. Well, and my husband says each time he's like, okay, so when we're on a vacation, I will seek out. And the kids all know we have five children, and they're just like, there's a bookstore within you know probably 40 or 50 miles we will find it we will go there and if we go there we will buy because that is how we support them (laughs) like it's all very nice that you think this is altruistic but it's really all about you (laughs) because you want more books
1: yeah well and see my excuse I especially if we're on vacation or something I say well these are souvenirs right or these Mm are for people (laughs) Well, and that is what
0: is so great about a well-curated indie bookstore. You truly do find titles that you wouldn't have found maybe at home or, you know, in a different part of the country. And I love that. I love a well-curated indie bookstore. I think that it's an art form yes. that, um, and, and hundreds of hours are taken by those owners to, to pick those lists.
1: That's so right. We are
0: yeah. most grateful to that.
1: And I don't know if you have participated in any of the, mystery bags or grab bags that some of them are doing now, but yeah. I was telling my son about that um, earlier today where, you know, some of the indie bookstores, will you can buy a grab bag and tell them what your preferred genre is or, you know, what type of books you're looking for, and they will put together, um, you know, just a package of books for you and your mm-hmm. price range, and it's so much fun because then you get it and you don't know what's going to be in there, and you right. know that they have chosen those books for you based on, you know, what you identified as your interests. I think that's so much fun.
0: You know, I really do think hats off to all the indie booksellers who are going so far outside of the box and thinking of inventive, you know, they're all entrepreneurs. So I guess that's, that's what they do. That's their jam, but um, it's stretching some people, but they're thinking of great things. And, you know, I think any way that we can support the indie booksellers is fabulous. Um, I know, I don't even know about y'all, but our Barnes and Nobles are closed. Like the yeah. Indies are gonna be the ones that are gonna be able to, with our help, weather out these storms and they'll be open again when we when we resume traveling about the country. Now, have you heard anything about yes. your um, book tour at all? Heather, Is it, for right now, are you still
1: on or? Um, I'm not sure. I, we're not scheduling any new events. Um, I did have a couple on the calendar um, before all this started. And they are, you know, starting in late June and then into July and August. Yeah, I don't read ask if those are still <laughs> on for in-person events versus virtual. I figure, you know, we'll we'll let some more time go by and see where we are. Um, right. I, you know, I figure our booksellers have more on their minds right now than dealing with me and my little event. So, right. well, it seems pretty <laughs> not what you have on schedule, want me there, I'll prepare. you know.
0: Yeah, I think, I think it's prudent to keep yeah. what you have, but maybe, you know, don't keep booking out. Well, I hope my fingers yeah. crossed that you will get to do all <laughs> the events that you, that you have your heart's desire. Um, to wrap up, we do a little bit of rapid yeah. fire questions. Are you game for some five yeah. rapid fires? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Yes.
0: Okay. So the first <laughs> one is what is your favorite word?
1: My favorite word is probably ethereal. Ooh,
0: that's a good one. No one has said that. That's a great
1: one. A lovely Your, word. It yeah.
0: is lovely. Your favorite <laughs> fictional hero or
1: heroine or both? Um, okay, this is totally random. Um, but I'm going to say Winnie the Pooh because his if you think back all those great quotes about life and friendship and right? I mean, Winnie the Pooh it has a lot of
0: wisdom. Have yeah. you seen The Tao of Pooh? Have you seen that book?
1: I've heard of that, but I have not picked it up.
0: I don't it's think. it's I old. It's probably 30 years old. Um, yeah. I'll send you a little screenshot of it. It's darling. Yeah. And it, it is, it's really the sweet, you know, I've seen, um, I'm a th- I was a therapist before um, I stopped working, but a lot yeah. of, um, you know, even the mental health quotes about you know, what does friendship look like? Sometimes you just have to sit with Eeyore and he doesn't want you to solve his problems. Just sit with him. So I think that those are, I think. We need to I, a great
1: one. I love that.
0: <laughs> what are you reading now? Is there anything you're reading that's already out or are you reading so far ahead that we can't get any of your books yet? I,
1: yeah, I am currently reading, it's called the, I have to get this title right, The City Baker's Guide to Country Living. Um, have you heard of that one I did I have I loved it it's by uh, Louise Miller and going back to kind of what we were talking about before yeah uh, it's just one of those feel-good stories that you know I think we we need right now so I'm really enjoying it a lot good good are you a completist or a
0: DNFer when it comes to reading will you finish a book at all costs or do you say
1: didn't finish it for now put it on my shelf I'm a DNFer. If I am not feeling a book, I will put it aside. I feel kind of bad saying that because I do think each book definitely has merit. But, you know, if it's not a good fit for me at, at the time, as right. you said, you know, we might go back to something later. Um, I just feel like there's so many books and so little time exactly. that I'm not going to force myself um, to keep going if I'm not feeling a connection with the book. So I, I'm a DNFer, you yeah. know, at time. Yeah. And I think that I, I, am going to give you
0: 100% permission to be one of those because I am too. And I think it's fine. <laughs> okay. Your final question. What is the best money that you've ever spent as a writer for
1: your craft? They're called Tinderbox and they are with uh, Kimberly Brock who wrote The River Witch. She lives in Georgia. And I started going to those, gosh, it's been, I'm not sure, maybe three or four or five years ago. I'm bad with time. <laughs> yeah. It goes but, you know, I, Kimberly herself is just delightful and wonderful and has become an absolute dear friend of mine. And then I've met one of my best friends, um, there, the author, Gina Heron, uh, she and I, you know, talk every day now and, and we met through those retreats with Kimberly. So I just, I can't imagine if I hadn't gone to that first one and, you know, met this group of women. So I'm really thankful to have those opportunities to, uh, And are those annual? You know, it varies. And um, I think generally about once a year, I have missed one or two just because of work obligations. Um, And of course, I don't know what will happen this year. but yeah, I really love to do that when I'm able to, just to see that group. When, and the, the group varies, but um, we have kind of those, those same women who have been there um, from the start and it's just it's a wonderful time together.
0: Thank you so much for sharing your beautiful book with, you, with me. I loved it. So listeners and readers, July 7th of 2020, The Good Luck Stone by Heather Bell Adams. Heather, it was a delight. Thank you so much for our chat today.
1: Thank you. I'm so glad to have gotten to talk with you. Thank you so much.
0: This has been another episode of the Bookish Besties podcast. Bookish Besties is a production of Tidal Wave Books, LLC, and is hosted by Diane Barnett and Mary Meist, produced by Lily Barnett. Find us
1: on Instagram at Podcast. Thank you for joining us in talking about all things bookish. We will see you next time.